Welcome back. You are listening to Your World Today. And our final interview for this afternoon is on active patient participation. And um, so you're probably wondering what exactly are we talking about now? Forming new habits and changing behaviors is a hot topic in many disciplines today. Real change is actually possible when people take ownership of their own lives. This wisdom applies to occupational therapy patients as well as improvement is possible when patients stop being passive recipients of information and become more active participants in their own care. So in other words, what we're looking at is people who are not just going to go to a doctor and tell the doctor or the health professional, I'm sick. Um, and then let the doctor ask a whole lot of questions. But you're going to be more um, giving during that time. But let's talk a little bit about it. My guest this afternoon is occupational therapist, Sister Wahida Isub. Sister Wahida, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to the show. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So tell us more about why it's so important and what active patient participation means. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, so active participation um, is basically referring to patients taking a meaningful role um, in the cause and outcome of their treatment. So whether they um, are receiving treatment in the form of, you know, a, visiting, um, a GP or getting therapy from a physio and OT or even um, long-term treatment. Um, it's basically how engaging that patient is in the actual treatment. So you mm-hmm. mentioned just now, um, you know, visiting to visiting the doctor and, you know, yes. letting him ask all the questions. So, um, so the active participation is basically taking it a little bit a little a step further and um, using that information and gaining more insight into your condition. So allowing um, you to be the, the main um, uh, the, the drive to actually getting better um, mm-hmm. and, and with obviously the guidance of your, your health, health professional. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like I used to take my parents to the doctor and my mom would tell me at home, this is the problem and this is wrong and that is so and whatever. And when we get to the doctor and yes. if I'm not in the room, my, my the doctor would find it very difficult um, talking yes. to my mother. One, there was a language barrier and two, um, mm-hmm. she just wouldn't be able to actually explain to him exactly what was happening. So I think that is where you'd, you'd say that was uh, sort of inactive participation because the doctor to basically, it was like pulling teeth. Um, you know, she, she, yeah. <laughs> it was difficult to get the information, and I'm sure that that actually hinders a doctor from or a health professional from assisting you know, the patient. It is, but I, I also feel that it is up to the, the health professional to actually explain a diagnosis to a patient because mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, this is the reason you are the health professional. So um, if a person gives a diagnosis, um, it's no, it's, it's no, it, there's no point in just saying the actual diagnosis, you've got diabetes mellitus. Um, what you can, you can actually in simple um, terms, simple words, explain to the patient, even now explain to, for example, you to then interpret for your mom that this is what it actually means in your body and no matter how complicated the disease is or the symptoms are um, you can find a way to sort of simplify it and explain it to patients so that they they know 
because often what people do is you you hear a diagnosis and then you mm-hmm. pick up your phone and you Google it, <laughs> and, yes. and, and 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 that actually sometimes causes a lot of um, you know uh, misconceptions and also you tend to then follow Dr. Google on whatever treatment um, they advise as opposed to actually following your doctor who's who's diagnosed you or your medical professional has diagnosed you in your particular disorder, disease, illness, um, mm-hmm. which is very specific to you. So, yes, um, it's, it, it is about gaining insight and you need to use your medical professional um, to help you gain that insight. Mm-hmm. So, you know that being said when there's uh, a, when there's passive sort of uh, engagement with your medical professional um it doesn't really work because if that doctor is somebody who's really busy he's going to tell you you know what this is what i'm giving you it's for this it's for that and you go home with a whole lot of medication or a script that you have to take to the pharmacy and you're constantly taking this medication but you have no idea what really is the problem with you it's and particularly for older people those of us yeah. that are you know savvy when it comes to using Dr. Google, it's, it makes it a little easier because you can get some information from there, even though you may be misled. But for the older yes. generation, I think, you know, um, they need to also maybe, as we'd say, come to the party. So even writing down yes. your questions would be good. Yes, no, definitely. So, so remember, um, uh, when you go in for, um, when you go in for treatment, when you go into a medical professional, um, and they give you a diagnosis and then and they give you treatment, it's only um, sort of a step in, step in stone. Um, what you want, what we ideally, um, what a person needs to do is actually take control of their health. Um, use your use your your medical um, professional as a guide, but as a person, you also need to take um, full complete charge of. Um, the steps to better health. So, for example, um, if I am uh, being, I have been diagnosed with um, a, a chronic condition that yes. that is affected by um, my energy uh, level. It affects my energy levels. It affects all of my daily activities. And yes, I, I, I am under treatment of the of the uh, of my treating um, doctor. And it is then uh, it, the onus is upon then the patient um, to understand their condition as much as possible and then to gain further insight and say okay listen so i am not able to do x y and z at one go because of my whether it be fibromyalgia or whatever it is um mm-hmm. i i have to do things in um in smaller uh, patches uh, i can do so much and then i can i can work a little bit and then i need to rest so and then you need to look at every aspect of your life and how this illness is affecting that. And that's actually also where the occupational therapist comes in. Is um, Occupational therapy is about functionality, it's about independence, it's yes. about optimizing a person's function, optimizing a person's ability, right? So mm-hmm. if a person, um, we look, if a patient comes in and they have a debilitating um, disorder or disease that is affecting more than one area of their life, because sometimes you have a sickness that literally only affects what you eat, um, and and it's one area of your uh, one aspect of your life, and it doesn't have a major role in anything else. But you can have obviously with most illnesses, you it affects a lot of your um, areas of your life. 
and it affects your roles. So it will affect your role as a worker. It will affect your role as a mother, um, as a wife, whatever it is. So it's up to that patient then, to de- uh, or the, the occupational therapist assists um, by looking at the different areas of this person's life, how the illness is affecting those areas. And, and then uh, tied the patient into, okay, so this is where you are limited with work, for example. Um, uh, uh, you, you can't do, um, so you can't work for um, uh, a full eight-hour day. Uh, however, you are also limited to carrying stuff, just say, for example. Yes. Uh, you can't carry uh, more than two kilos of weight. Um, you also um, are limited with stairs. You can't uh, uh, climb a lot of stairs. So the OT's role would then come in to look at their work, where they are working, how they are working, and the type of work they do, and then match it with the person's ability. And see, okay, listen, we're going to have to reduce your work hours. You're going to have to work on the ground floor. We're going to have to change the way you uh, approach some of your, um, you know, your, your cases or whatever it is they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's basically how the OT then comes in. And, we did, and then we look at the person at home. So what are your roles at home? If you got, maybe the, ba- the, the patient has a baby. Uh, the patient has little toddlers that they've got to, you know, pick up yes. and, and, and change every now and again. Or the person has stairs at home or a very big plot. Um, uh, you know, they have a manual car, which they really struggle to drive with. So, so they look at every aspect of a person's life and they basically look how they're going to optimize their, their function uh, with their current illness. That's that's basically where we come in. Okay. So when you're treating patients, I'm sure that, um, you know, you look at, you get a vast range of patients with different issues that they may come with. Tell us a little bit about what your day is like. What what kind of patients do you have? What exactly it is that you would be helping out with? Okay, so my specific um, area of occupational therapy is uh, what we call medical legal work. So it's um, any person with a sort of a legal claim. So whether you have been involved in a a road um, accident or you are at work and you've suddenly gotten ill and you have um, an insurance policy that says that you are allowed um, a disability grant or a disability policy. um, uh, So so the the insurance company uh, or the, the employer would refer, or the lawyer, depending, would refer a a patient then to me to have them assessed. And our assessment is called a functional capacity evaluation, where we would look at a person um, and look at what their functional capacity is. And and in my my case, it's specifically, specifically to work. So if a person, for example, has um, a certain type of cancer, they've just been for chemo, um, they've obviously been on leave for six months, um, the employers are worried about them, whether they can return to work, they, they would be referred to me um, to see, can they return to work? If they, if they can return to work, can they return to, at the same full capacity or mm-hmm. can they do less of what they used to do? Or are they now unemployable? So obviously it's like a, 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 a chronic um, cancer patient that is basically receiving palliative care. In other words, yes. they've done whatever they can medically, but they, the, the cancer is still present or they can't really treat anymore. Um, uh, then obviously the person is not employable. However, you know, with the advances in cancer these days, um, most of the time people can get chemo, get radiation, have their treatments, 
and literally go back to work after after that, yes. you know. Um, and um, um, they may be a bit tired for the first three months, but that's also something to be assessed to say, listen, they can't return. But, um, you know, for the first three months, they would have to work reduced hours. Um, so so, um, so we, we would actually then assess that and have a look at that. Um, and then my, my job is then basically writing reports on these patients um, uh, and basically giving the employer information about what the potential of their employee is. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's basically me. <laughs> All right. Shukran. So when, when a patient comes through to, to you or any other medical professional, should they, like, um, you know, some of the tips that you would give them? For instance, I found it easy um, to take a list of the medications my mother or my father were, were taking at that particular time. Because then, um, you know, sometimes you don't remember the names of these medications because they vary so much. There's generics. And um, then you forget, especially with people who take a number of medications, um, it's nice to list them down so that the doctor has an idea, particularly if he hasn't. Like, for instance, when you go on holiday and somebody gets sick, they're not necessarily going to see the doctor that they see regularly at home. Yes, so, um, you know, I think um, it, it comes down again then to you being the active participant. So, um, it, but, but it is good to have one key person. So, depending on the type of condition you have, whether it be your GP, your oncologist, your rheumatologist, let let there be one main sort of almost like a your your health professional, but you almost they almost play a role of a case manager, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak. So so um, uh, a lot of the advice because he, he, it would start from him because you normally get your diagnosis from your medical doctor. Um, and then they refer you to a physio, an OT, uh, wherever it is, then after that. Um, so what you can do is use, use that as, as, as an initial guide. And then, and then, and, and let, let that, uh, that person allow you to prov- provide enough information for you then to take control of your, your sickness or your illness. Um, you be the main person. So you, the person, uh, whether you, you can do that for your mom. Um, if you don't feel that she's capable of it, um, what does, but you, you keep a list of all of your medications. You, you keep a, a, a diary almost of what you had so far because you often forget, oh, yeah, I had that op- in that in that year, <laughs> you know. Oh, I've been on yes. treatment for about a while, you know. So, so whatever you have done, keep a record of it, make notes of it, of all the medications, all the treatments that you've been. So wherever you go now, you go into a new doctor, you're going to go for other treatment, you have a record. And it can be something that if you're not necessarily with your mom, you, she can take it with her. Yes. And, and that way, she's still then an active participant and she still knows, okay, so I'm giving you the information now. I'm giving you the information about my illness. Here is my my uh, prescription. This is what I'm taking at the moment. So at the end of the day, she's still in control. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. Yes, absolutely. Well, Jazakallah khair for your time. Much appreciated. And I think I hope it gives our listeners an idea as well of how important it is to be an active participant because you want to get as much out of your healthcare provider um, so that you can understand whatever is wrong with you, be it, uh, you know, something that's chronic or even if it's just a short-term illness. But you want to understand it so you can manage your life better and manage the illness better as well. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Shukran for your time. Salaamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
And that was Sister Wahida Isop, a occupational therapist, talking to us about why it's important to be active as a patient when you are seeing your medical professional. So active patient participation.